It's the Saturday Friends Club. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome back to the Saturday Friends Club. It is super, super nice to have you on this week. I'm going to go a little bit, uh, I'm going to do a little bit more sedate this week. <laughs> Just going to do it a little calmer. More, more regal and stately. Why not? It's a, it's a proper British show this week. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I am Josh. Uh, over there is Eric. Hello. Uh, Martin is with us. Uh, good evening. And Sabrina, I feel like, is going to be the combo breaker on this one. <laughs> no. Hello. <laughs> Hello, puppet. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say this all episode. Right. <laughs> the entire time is just proper British etiquette. Well, she she watches the Downton Abbeys and the 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 Brit Brit like dress-up oh, they're keeping up appearances. If you thought Downton Abbey was dry, strap yourselves in, guys. <laughs> no one thought Downton Abbey was dry. <laughs> but I mean, okay, I, I would like to say Downton Abbey has a certain, there is a Britishness about it. I mean, like, I what the ver- one of the very first plots is, like, they're trying to find someone to be the new, like, heir, heir to this estate, and the doctor who comes in, it's like, he's a, he has a job? And it's like, it's all the, all the old British guard are like, oh my God, like he, he works for a living. Like he might as well come in and just take a dump on the floor. <laughs> just sitting there going like, oh, what uncivilized. He doesn't know how to properly use an Oxford comma. Well, just, it's, it's the, the, the like a lot of the, a lot of the inherent like tension and even some of the humor in that show is like how stodgy and British these people are. And it's like the real early episodes where the doctor is walking around like, those no, like it was not proper. You don't work for your money. You just have money by being by virtue of being rich. <laughs> why? Why? Well, they were rich. Yeah, that was the thing, though. It's just that they were really rich people. So I right. don't think I think. I, but that's not the only people you saw. You also saw the servants, which were not right. necessarily the same upbringing. So you got a different flavor from well, them as well. Exactly. Those people are working class and like dirty trash people. Right. That's it's why like, they like scrub your toilets for you. But you know, before there was Downton Abbey. Well, actually, I don't know. It was either the same time or a little bit before. There's upstairs, downstairs. Which kind of also shows the difference between the two, right? And so it's just funny that there's there is that dichotomy, and they start off with this like there's some of the some of the is the audience I think is meant to be is kind of meant to kind of smirk. It's like look how like look how British look how incredibly upper crust these people are. Oh, and I'm trying to remember. There's that there's a show that's on that is or was on uh, Comedy Central, which was all about like upper crust individuals that are just completely insane. Right, yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. forget I forget the name of that one right offhand. I don't know. The only British thing I find myself watching nowadays is Great British Bake Off. This uh okay, well mm. this oh. this show I the it's not the episode is not one of the episodes we, we lost did this Sabrina week. there. Yeah. I love that show so much. Ah, uh, show pastry. Oh. My my only show of interest recently that's from British uh, from the British realm of uh, entertainment is QI. Oh, QI is always good. <laughs> QI is wonderful. If any of you get the chance, Stephen it's, Fry. It's nice is to a watch genius. a TV show where people are smart nowadays. Smart and like respectable and like the, they they but they, also witty, witty, so and, witty. And they can crack both intellectual jokes and just like body humor. Yeah, and David Mitchell's on it sometimes, and he's my spirit animal. David Mitchell is he's the best. Company. Yeah. He's like the best person. I love David Mitchell. 
Just uh, if if you really want to please uh, Eric, just send him an autograph of David Mitchell. Oh just God. you know, saying like Eric, you're my spirit animal. He would he would be like, no, he would never agree to that. <laughs> like the fuck is this? <laughs> so uh, although I, I like, you should everyone who listens, you should watch the uh, Peep Show if you've ever heard of that or that Mitchell and Webb look. Those are both shows that David Mitchell and they're like hilarious, like two sides of the same coin. Peep Show is great, but like if. It's very cringy. Well, speaking of very cringy. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, come on. Hashtag you shots fired. me up on that one. Yeah. Uh, all right. This week, uh, <clears throat> it's Eric's choice. It is ripping yarns. Which, what the hell is a ripping yarn? Uh, it's a ripping good yarn. Yeah, what as the a, hell? Uh, I'm, I'm a, not a... A uh, cracking good tale. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know what, what these words saying? are. Why did you put us through Okay, this? so this is... Uh, the, the Ripping yarns isn't... Ripping is in, like good and the yarn is in a tail because these are supposed to be kind of a pastiche of like 20s like real early like british schoolboy like adventure stories of like daring do very like 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 a like a a very proper kind of kids pulpy yeah you know the intro features a a white man punching a black man in the face but oh yeah as if like that that whole intro is in itself like i'm is full of jokes but yes uh, it's it's that it's that era that Edwardian era when you know everything still seems to be just going well for the British and it's just like going around Empire and, conquest and just the crown you swinging your, status swinging your big colonial dick all over the place pretty much I mean because it is pre World War Two basically yeah and so that like the idea is like this is a this is a parody of like the like I, like a you know young boys adventure stories of the time but it's completely ridiculous and it's Michael Palin playing like every character. <laughs> Yes, so uh, as we stated before, the episodes are The Testing of Eric... Oathwaite. Oathwaite, uh, which is episode two. Uh, it is The Curse of the Claw, episode six. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, ep- season two, episode one, Winfrey's Last Case. I'll, I'll say this. there are It's a short show. There are nine episodes, and they're all like a half hour long, uh, of which two of them you absolutely do not need to watch. Like They just like don't work or land at all. I watched both of them like, these were bad. And then, like, every every other episode, great. Just these two, like, you don't need to watch them. So, mm-hmm. which I was really sad of one of them, because one of them is called Across the Andes by Frog, and it did not live up to its name. And the other one is Murder at Morstone's Manor, which also just does not land. It's got, like, a couple good jokes. And then every other episode in this is, like, is is amazing so well across the andes by frog is how i got the intro so let me go ahead and hit the (laughs) intro music for this week it is ripping yarns Also, one of the few intros we can just play all the way through <laughs> since it's 30 seconds long. Doesn't that just make you want to punch Jerry in the it face? makes me want to punch, uh, no, that's, that's sure. I mean, it's just... 
Oh my god, it's just like Zeus, Susa March British a la, a la regal. It's so good. Oh boy. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I will say I'm not as down on this as I actually sound like I am. It's interesting. Um, He's just having fun, like, torturing me. <laughs> well, it's just the first episode we didn't really <laughs> good like that god. much. That first one was, like, really bad. So let's get that which, one out wait, of the which way. Which one? No. Uh, all right. So that one was the, um, the first. First one was uh, I went. We went in order. So with the testing of Eric Althway, episode's great. Oh come on! It's the story of the world's most boring person. (laughs) It's so lame. No, it's It's so lame. How he becomes Uh, like interesting to people, even though he changes (laughs) zero percent. We should start with the plot. Seri- seriously, no. The plot is this. This guy is so boring. His family abandons him, tells them they're moving, and they don't even tell him where they're going. Right. And is on top dad- of that, okay, his, maybe this his, is good. his girlfriend also is, like, sleeping with another guy because her mom's telling her to... And she also thinks he's boring. So his girlfriend's father basically tells him, you need to move up in the world. So he just says, oh, well, since I'm so boring, I'm going to be a banker. I Okay, there's so much. There's so then, many. There's so, like, every me, line in this is, is like, is perfectly placed. Okay. I'm, okay, okay. Let, let's just finish the plot, though. Okay. 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 So, and so while he's there trying to be a banker, they're telling him, oh, you can't be a banker. It's very hard work. You gotta be tough and you're not tough. So then a bank robber comes in, robs everything, somehow, like, gives him the bags, makes him run with him with, through a cop chase. They take over a car. The butler's like, totally fine, doesn't even give a shit. They run away. And finally, he has a heart to heart with the bank robber. And for some reason, they get along because they're both it, boring. It turns out that they're both, the they're most both boring. boring. <laughs> And then he gets super popular being a bank robber and shit. And then finally, though, his old town decides to make him mayor. And now everyone thinks he's interesting, even though he's the same fucking person he was in the beginning of the damn show. I'm I glad like Sab- Sabrina's summary. I'm glad Sabrina picked wow. this episode. <laughs> she knows it well. <laughs> so, okay. So, okay, like, backing up just a bit. The, 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 the setup of this episode is this takes place in like 1937. Uh, like in like a Yorkshire like coal mining town, and like that's one like the weird high pitched accents. Like that's a British person doing an impression of like it's like another British like accent that they're doing. That's that that's like a northern like kind of thing. And the idea is like it's this it's this like depressed coal mining town, and so it's it's real crappy. And then they have this whole intro like the opening narration is Eric Oldthwaite talking about like his life in Denley Moor. Just not, and like, so he's, yes, he's the world's most boring person. Like, his only interests are shovels, the weather, specifically like rainfall patterns, and black puddings. And it's like, and it's, he's so boring that he's driven, he's like been driving his family insane for a very long time. <laughs> Nothing like a story about a boring ass protagonist. But he is boring in the best possible way, and I, I, I like that. Yeah, literally, it should only take five minutes to explain this one episode. Um, and so his they they do some they do some very funny scenes of like his like his, the lengths his family goes to to avoid talking to him. Yes, I, I do enjoy the fact that his father <laughs> pretends to be French. <laughs> Well, also the whole time this is Michael Palin, like, and he's doing this high pitched like Yorkshire accent, and so he's just like, "My father would feign a bilious attack and have to leave the room, or like, he'd come pre- when he came home, he'd pretend to be French when he came in, just so I wouldn't talk to him." And his father comes in and is like speaking French and like trying to not talk to his son, 
And uh, yeah, so his family runs away from home to avoid him. Because, quote, because even my uh, my sister, she said I was a boring little tit. And um, so they, they, one morning he wakes up and his family's like run away. And they, yeah, they, they're saying he tries to go get up top of the bank. And I, the banker's speech in that is like one of my favorite lines in this whole episode. Because also the banker doesn't want to work with him. So the banker makes up the story about you have to be this total badass to be a banker. And he's like, I've had to tear grown men apart with my bare hands. Like, oh, did you really? <laughs> he gives them this whole long speech. And then the bank robber comes in and is like, and the guy's sitting behind the desk. And he's like, all right, stand off. And he's like, I'm standing off. And they kind of like. Has to like look around the desk, like, oh no, the guy really is like four feet tall. But uh, the bank robber is played by a guy we all know. His name is Kenneth Colley. He's another British actor of the eighties. He's um, on the stuff. You will all know him as Admiral Piet from Star Wars. So he is the guy who tells Vader that it's an old code, but it still checks out. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Much more expanded uh, role in the lore. <laughs> yes, or- I'm sure he. Has, I'm sure Wikipedia has like a million page article about him, but. um yeah, the whole idea is that they, him and Eric Oldthwaite bond because Eric Oldthwaite no, his family's run away, and then it turns out the bank robber is also interested in the most boring things ever. So they be, they form this like Bonnie and Clyde partnership of like they're bank robbers, and so they can pursue their mutual interests of like rain of like rainfall. They have the whole montage of like the papers of reporting the news. That's like, and then the family is completely turned of just like it well, sounds like he's doing real cool stuff. Well, so the, the, I mean, the whole thrust of the episode is that like. They, they all, they, none of them can stand Eric Oldthwaite, but then they all realize that, like, their lives are also really boring, and it's like, him becoming this daring bank robber is the most interesting thing that's happened to Denley Moore ever. So, like, the entire town becomes, like, fascinated with his story, and he's, like, this outlaw, and it gets to the very end, and, like, he's act, <laughs> Arthur the bank robber actually shoots the mayor, and so the mayor names him the new mayor of Denley Moore, and it's like, it's the whole turn where, like, now he's suddenly the most, the most interesting person in town. Yeah, and like you're saying, despite nothing having changed. And even though the kid is like, he's so boring. <laughs> they, like, yeah, like, at the end, like, there's, the audience is listening, like, in, like, rapt attention to him talking about, like, his life as a boring person. And the mother's just like, listening, and this little kid's, like, kicking his seat, and she's like, like, behave yourself. Like, he's so boring. Like, it's not as interesting. <laughs> so. And scene. Yeah, it's a, like, I, they're, they're, I, 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 I'm speaking to you, the audience, that my, like, fellow co-hosts are being unnecessarily down in this episode. It is really funny. I think it, you it, have you to, you have to go for dry humor. Yes. No, it's mm-hmm. incredibly dry. I also like the, the neighbors raise racing vultures, and the vultures are clearly just guys going, bah, bah, in the background. <laughs> uh, oh, and the, yeah, the, the neighbor's mother, who's like, encouraging her daughter to have an affair, because she's only young once, it's like that's a that's a it's a it's a turn. Okay, it's a well, play on the thing. Well, let's go let's go to a better episode. Uh, <laughs> You're all lame. I I think this is Josh mostly harping on you. We're just here for the ride. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 just I'm just the curse of the claw. It ha- it has more <laughs> so stuff good. going on. Uh, it's so it has a claw. It does. There is a curse, and there is a claw. And there's another vulture for some reason. And there's <laughs> there's a guy. There's a butler that really wants That's to a, find the an naughty, erotic butler that <laughs> wants to find the naughty mags. Um. So this episode is like this is a like a this is their take on like a horror story, and it's a man, and it's like he's this. He kind of lives alone with just his butler in this like decaying old house, and <laughs> an expedition bound for India, like Burma. Just stops at his door because it's the first day and they're already lost and they haven't even left England. Um, and so he starts launching into the tale. And the story is 
uh, he... <laughs> I don't even know where to begin on this one. It's weird, it's because... A, it's a flashback in where he's remembering, like, as a child, like, he lived his incredibly stick... His parents are, like, their performance is amazing, and, like, the most comically Puritan parents... Rigid, just yeah. like... They're just like, I'm, I'm knitting something that will cover your whole body. Yes, well, they have the whole scene where he's chosen, and he's just, like, sitting thoughtfully in the... They're having, like, a garden tea party, and this is, like, I think it takes place in, like, the 1880s, so they're all dressed very towardly, and this is like, my father was a, st- he was a stern man, and he was like, he had my sister in prison for putting too much butter on her scone, and they like, pan over, and there's like a girl like, in the window with like, bars on it, and my, and she had, and they had my younger brother, Davy, killed for walking in the flower beds, and like, in the back, like, they cut over, and there's like a cross in the garden, and so it's like, he, it's, he has these incredibly strict parents, and the father, his performance is is great. And then there was a female he was interested in, yeah, the, but never the, approached. The girl next door, yeah, because he'd be fucking dead if his parents found out. So it's like this little girl he has a crush on. And then the other character in the story is his uncle Jack, who's also played by Michael Palin, who is an interesting character. <laughs> no shit! <laughs> his uncle Jack is this like eccentric fellow who is like impervious to the effects of like all diseases known to man and basically like, collects them. <laughs> Like he's in, like so he says like my, like my uncle Jack had had every disease known to man and he's talking about like he contracted malaria like like tetanus berry berry and like all lists off the other diseases as a protest against the postal charges and he'd be like he went like he went to like he's like gave mouth to mouth resuscitation to cholera victims in Valparaiso and it's like has this long series of like he's had like every disease and he like goes out on his like. Out um, to make a point to go catch new and interesting diseases. And makes him feel good when he gets ill. Yes, and so, like, this is, like, his uncle is this, like, adventure guy's all over the world, and he's in, and so little Kevin gets to, like, go to his uncle and hang out, and it's, like, the, the and he gets to hear of all the diseases he's had. <laughs> like that one scene where he's just fishing out old yes, brown rats. They're showing his uncle Jack is just, like, doing stuff around the house, and, like, parts of the house are just falling apart constantly, and he's just, like fishing like plague-ridden rats out of the sewer and like it doesn't care at all and uh and he he reveals to his like at some point the the story does a time jump and it's like his uncle jack is like hell of that he's like i had been given word that my uncle jack had suddenly fallen ill (laughs) it's like he's on his deathbed and he reveals that he has this cursed vulture's claw that's like sacred to the people of the naga hills in burma and it was like on his 50th birthday if they don't, if he doesn't return, if by then he doesn't return the claw to the village, then like you know, misfortune and death will befall him and his family. And so Kevin volunteers to take the claw back, but the the the, the claw is cursed. If you touch the claw, then like something bad happens to you. And they do a whole scene where even if you just open the box that the claws in, it plays this like piano like dun, and like something terrible will happen. And they have like the best scene that whole episode in which like he's trying to let to convince his parents to let him go like travel and take the claw and he, he like he just kind of leeches over and just opens the box a little bit every time he opens the box something bad happens and like his mother jabs herself with her sewing needle on accident and he opens the like, box again his father's reading the newspaper and he goes like good lord like what there's a typhoon warning in the newspaper like in the in, like the maiden advertiser which is like in the middle of like england he's like it's in very large type on the sports page <laughs> and <laughs> It's like, it's probably a misprint. Mm, the work of evil men. Which is a, a phrase I totally say on, on occasion. So he finally, like, he eventually just has to, he tries to break the news to them, and of course they won't let him go, 
And then he opens up the... Dad ends up taking the claw. <laughs> His speech there is so good. Like, he pulls the claw and he's like, I have to take this to Bourbon. He's like, put that away. Send away that object of sin and shame. Like, it's a claw, though. A claw clamp, you mean. A sexual device to tickle the jaded senses of old men. And his father, like, and it's playing this dramatic music, and his father is like, I, like, to, I, like, uh, this is the devil's work, and the devil shall return, and, like, immediately, like, both of his legs break, and he collapses into a heap. And so he escapes from his parents and has to, like, take the cursed claw. And, and, he, and he ends up getting on a boat. No, he says, like, I got lucky. I, 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 I was made captain aboard a tramp steamer called the Greasy Bastard. <laughs> and he's on the boat, and, like, they're... There is the, the sec, like the first mate on the boat is very obvious a woman, but is pretending to be a man and that they, they fall in love. And they, the whole thing is British society is so repressed that she's just assumed she's a man the entire time. Like it turns out she was a woman after all. <laughs> and yeah, they, it turns out I had most of the yes, crew were women. women and they're all just so repressed. And it's, it's like, you know, Edwardian Britain and, uh, they like, they decide that they just start sailing the boat around and he's like, no, I have to return the claw. And they're like, no, our life is too good here. And they have another great scene where, like, the first mate, like, grab, takes the claw from him and she's going to throw in the ocean. And as she grabs the claw, the boat just explodes in a fiery explosion. And he's like, I was the only, like, it's just completely destroyed. Like, I was the only survivor. And he returns to his uncle to say, hey, I don't have it. He's on his deathbed. And so it's like his uncle dies shortly afterwards. And then it resumes back to the first part of of the episode where he's, his old man now, and it's like, uh, it turns out that the, the, the expedition, the vill- they're going to actually where the claw is from, and like, he's got these, vill- the, the villagers with him, so he gets to return the claw, and the curse is broken, and then like, time reverses, and he- Whoa, 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 <laughs> but we need, but we need to state that, that, that night before, his wife yes, had died. His wife, who, who, who was the girl that right. he was, that he had always longed for. <laughs> and, they, and they keep implying that they have some sort of very, like, kinky relationship. Cause he's talking about, like, I came in this morning to discover my wife, Agatha, dead. And there, on the trapeze. Because, <laughs> <laughs> and they, like, his butt, like, they, they, at first you meet the butler and his butler is, like, very lascivious. And he keeps talking about his wife, like, super sexy. And, and they like, like, will you be requiring the naughty books tonight? Oh, no, no, go ahead. And like, if you were not requiring the naughty books, may I? Like, uh, yes, yeah, go ahead. Because <laughs> they have a throwaway line later, like, where his uncle is talking about the claw, and he says, like, it gave the holy men of, of the Naga Hills their amazing sexual powers. And he's like, I never tried it myself, but my, my manservant, Grover, and it's like, the, it's the same butler from before. So right. it's like, he used the claw powers to make himself into, like, a sex maniac or something. Jeez. Wow. And so, yeah. But now we have the the twist. So yeah, the, the 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 claw suddenly had made itself reappear in in the <clears throat> present day. Yeah, he like he it, well his wife. No, he he says like his he found his wife dead, and then the claw had returned, and it was like the claw had returned to because the curse and and because uh, of the sixty years right. were coming to an end. Yeah, and so it's like it came back and killed his wife, and that's like the the terrible like return of the claw. But the the Naga Hill villagers are there, so he returns the claw to them. And that's when the curse breaks. And then time like rever- like reverses itself. And this is this is the part where I was like, okay, that was actually a really big surprise and really interesting. <laughs> I love the cut where like the door the, the doors opens and it's just father like done because like, they're they're back in Jack's old estate. The estate looks good; it's not in disrepair. Right. Uh, he's there with Agatha, which he's not supposed to do as a kid. Right. So and, and now they've time shifted back to being and a like kid. Each, each cut, each everyone's getting younger and younger. 
Yeah, and so he's a kid again. He gets seen by his father with Agatha, so he's likely going to die. (laughs) At the very end, he like his father's speech, and he's just like, "Kevin, you will come home this instant. I will not have you showing off your body in this house of sin and depravity." (laughs) Oh, his his father is like his monologues are amazing in this episode. It is, it is, it is that that was the one that was just like this is almost nearly a story. Come on, this is a great one. It, no, I mean it's good. It's it's there, it's funny. It's funny in the spots it needs to be. The the like the boat trip was just like the fuck. <laughs> There's a, a lot of the humor in all of these episodes is like is just is because a lot in a lot of them Michael Palin is doing some sort of narration and he's usually cracking like he's usually saying something and everything is very played very straight. But it's like there's a lot of humorous stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, it, like, I like the, like, it just real subtle stuff. Like he says, the, the, the greasy bastard transports rubber goods and things for the weekends, which is like, those are euphemisms for like condoms and, and dildos. <laughs> so it's just like, so yeah, like, oh, you know, I, I got a, I got a, a trip on this boat and it's like, oh no, it's this boat, like full of repressed women pretending to be men. And it's like just a shipment of condoms and dildos. <laughs> There's stuff like that, like very, like, this is like very dry. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, yeah. No, this is also one of those ones where, like, every time you watch this, you'll pick up on more jokes. Uh, all right. So let's finish <laughs> off with the last one here. Winfrey's fa- last. My, case. my favorite episode. <laughs> Jesus this is Christ. So good. <laughs> this one was, wi- this, this was another one where, like, the last 30 seconds were like, wait, what? what? <laughs> Oh, well, because the, the joke at the end of it was one I didn't even get until much later. Like, oh, I get what the joke is here. So this episode is like, I think this is the most ripping yarn of all the ripping yarns. Like, yeah, it's this the most is, like of the classic stories. This is the most like British of all British humors. And it, it takes place like just before World War One, And it's like the war office in England is very concerned that the Germans are trying to start the war a year early. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like they've planned the war. Yeah, they they're know the very carefully. Coming. And then they're talking like, oh, they're not prepared yet. Like they have this whole thing where like they're short on mortars and like rifles and trestle tables. And they have this whole bit spoons. about spoons. They don't have enough spoons. spoons. Like, and the German, like, yeah, they have this discussion where like one half of the, the British war office is concerned that they don't have enough like dreadnoughts and, and like soldiers. The other half are concerned that like they're not going to have enough like utensils. He's like spoons, forks, knives. Like, yes, yeah, so what do the Germans yeah. have? Well, the Germans definitely have. Oh, spoons. they have everything. <laughs> you <laughs> can't train a man to the peak of military achievement and expect him to eat off his lap. And yeah, they have this incredibly like exchange like this, and it is like they 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 heard this rumor that the Germans are going to start the war early, and so they have to call in like their British national superhero, Sir Gerald Winfrey, who has done all these things. Like who's done everything? The right. Yeah, <laughs> he's like every British like. Pulp hero rolled into one, and he even he has a montage where he says like, "I've brought the Balkan Wars to an end, averted a war in Russia, annexed two new colonies," and he just has this list of like the most British like white man's burden colonial exploits possible. And they have a, like the opening credits episode are a montage of like him flying early airplanes, him like hunting boars in India, like him just this like ridiculously pulp stuff. And it's like they brought him in. And he's like he's like, he even says like I've been saving this country like twice every week since 1898, and I need a vacation. And so he's like, they're like, wait, well, like, yeah, we need you to help you this. And he's like, no, no, I've already like I'm gonna go on this vacation. And he's like, maybe when I get back, I'll help you with this war of yours. <laughs> yeah. So they keep talking about this. So it's like 
he's finally like the guy who saved England and their colonial empire like you know twice a week for like 20 years finally has to get a vacation and so he books like a cottage on the Cornish coast and and as the story unfolds he accidentally runs into this like secret invasion plot by the Germans <laughs> So he go he goes out to this know nothing village. It, it's supposed to be like a little, just like a like a seaside vacation, little Cornish village, right? And there's yeah, there's there's like five, there should be like five people there. And so he gets off the train and he's like, "Wait, is this the right station?" Like, no, you need to get back on the train. Yeah, the, the very shifty got the train. Like, oh uh, no, that's the next stop. And he's like, "But the train let me off here. They must have been lying." <laughs> and and so it's like he very quickly realizes like something's like not is like weird going on in this town as evidenced by he goes into the pub and the woman behind the counter like you never actually see the woman behind the counter she does everything like crouched behind the bar and her hands just go up above and like serve drinks and just do stuff I think it's because she's supposed to be really short they never actually explain that joke but that would make sense because they show her later driving and she's driving and it's just her hands like above the dashboard like pulling the wheel Eric I just realized something uh yeah you've you seen based this one yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it! You it's, based one of the tabletop campaigns oh, on yeah, yeah. this. This one hundred. Like I told, I told you at the time. Like, oh, it's from this British TV show. And, oh, okay. So yeah, you got to see it again. Um, and so, but the whole time is like, oh, boy. he he's rented a a room at Smuggler's Cottage, and like everyone in the village is trying to convince. Like, oh no, don't go to Smuggler's Cottage. And like they like the the woman at the bar is like reluctantly decides to drive him there, and she has this whole speech like talking about all the terrible things that have befallen people who have stayed at Smuggler's Cottage to try to like convince him. It's like, you know, the last time a retired vicar took the cottage, and he like, and it was like he chopped his wife into eight hundred and sixty-five pieces. Like they were finding bits of her in their shoes for years after. And see, so he does this montage of like all the retired vicars who went insane at Smuggler's Cottage and killed people. And he finally gets there, which is like again the, the best scene in this entire episode. Is it, like, it feels like a cottage that has maybe like five rooms. It's yes, it's a tiny, tiny cottage, and it's like they very quickly realizes that like the wait staff is like fifty people, and then this great introduction where it's like and every, all the wait staff are very like quiet and stern and professional, and like the housekeeper is introducing like and here is uh, Mister Gurton and the master of the bedchamber and. Like and the, the the chef and the kitchen boy and she starts listing these increasingly specific jobs and it's like cook assistant cooks and it was like in charge of the under, like in in charge of the uh, the bedroom area in charge of the hallway area and it's just like it's this like like oh god it's, there's so many people and and they have a great shot where they do like an overhead shot inside the cabin and he's like shoulder to shoulder with the waitstaff in this tiny room because the room is like this entire cottage is microscopic. And he goes into his room and he's like, you know, he's kind of like weirded out. And he like tries to sit in his mattress and there's like a guy re- under the mattress. And, oh, I'm, I'm, my name's Vinny, so I'm in charge of the under mattress area. And so like, it's just like crammed full of people. And he wakes up the next morning and like, he hears like military drilling outside and it reveals like, 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 oh, those are the new gardeners. Like, there must be 70 or 80 of them. Oh, there's a lot to do in the garden this time of year. And he, he discovers that like the people in the house are like plotting to kill him. And he has this dramatic escape in which he realizes that his room has, like, 32 secret passages leading out of it alone. Yes, he, he just ends up, falling, like, throws something against the wall, a secret door opens. And then, then every then, secret door opens. Then, like, a lamp opens, his bed moves away. Rolls and back, just, and there's a stairway under his bed, which I don't know how the guy was in the under mattress area, but whatever. Uh, the ladder drops down from the ceiling. Yeah, his, like, nightstand, like, rolls back, and there's, like, a trap door, and, like... And so he's being, he realizes like the wait staff are, they're, they're, they're gonna kill him. Cause he overhears them like 
having this like this like discussion about like well should we like poison his kipper like no that's a stupid idea like no let's just shoot him and so he he has to flee and they have this like whole action scene where it's like everything's weird he's being chased by the staff and they're like shooting at him and he finally he gets back to town and he's hoping to find someone and he goes from the bar and okay and this is the joke that I did not get as a kid and then I watched it now and I read about it like oh this was a thing for like the British audience at the time is. Everyone, like, he goes into the bar and it's suddenly full. Like, yesterday it was empty. And it's full of guys that all look stereotypically very German. Like, they're all, like, beardy and they're singing, like, a Bavarian, like, a, like, a Bavarian song. Mm-hmm. He walks in and they all just kind of stop and, like, stare at him awkwardly. And they, like, only one of them speaks, Eng- like, broken English. And he's like, oh, yes, this is Tony. And another Tony. And, uh, Eddie and he's like like everyone in the all of the all of the like very obviously German guys Eddie. The bar are all Tony and Eddie and like one guy named Wilf. <laughs> and it's revealed the end like the like the people from the, the, the cottage come in and revealed that like they're all German spies and this is like how they're gonna invade England is like they off they, they find small like coastal towns and just offer everyone a free vacation in the Alps and like and then just take their place. So it's like everyone in this town has been replaced by a German spy. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're you know secretly bringing all these Germans to invade England, and I, I love the the housekeeper has this whole speech about like all of their secret forces, and it's like two dozen vicars, a thousand shepherds, eight hundred and fifty private nannies, and then all of a sudden everything <laughs> makes no sense. Yes, okay. So then like the British war, like all the British soldiers arrive and start arresting everyone, and it's revealed that like they somehow like discovered this, and then they show up like, and just by pure coincidence. And so it's like Sir Gerald Winfrey has just like accidentally walked into the middle of the big of the of the secret German plot to start the war a year early, and they they assume oh he he was just kidding about that vacation thing that was just his cover story, like oh Gerald you've done it again like we nearly believed that rot about yours about taking a holiday, <laughs> and yeah and so he's like oh yeah and he just kind of like takes credit for it. And I also love this scene, like, at the very end, they're, they're talking about it, and, like, he looks over, and there's, like, a, like, a rifle barrel slowly... Well, po- yeah, the very tiny lady <laughs> is still behind the bar. Oh, yeah, well, he's, like, uh, like they introduce themselves, and they give their true German names to him, and he's, like, and my assistant, he's, like, <laughs> like but she po- he points over to the bar, and he- you hear the woman go, like, jawohl, mein Kommandant, and she, like, puts, like, German beer steins on the top of the, on the bar. <laughs> so, yeah, it ends with, like... He's accidentally discovered the secret plot to start the war a year early. And he's like, and now the war will be a proper one, thanks to you, Gerald. Like, and we've heard that if this one goes well, they want to do a follow-up. <laughs> so, yeah, I like, the, I like the idea that, like, this is so British that, like, the wars are these carefully planned, like, social events. And, like, oh, we can't let anything go wrong. And Eric, so- uh, where the hell did you watch this growing <laughs> up? So, this was something that, like... My my parents found and they'd watched it and what it was was back in the day KQED used to play British TV, um like they brought Monty Python and Faulty Towers and this and this was made like this was a Michael Palin and uh, Terry Jones actually did uh, also wrote for it and he appears in one episode. Hmm. Hmm. So two X Pythons they did this like right after Monty Python but before the movies. So uh, this was like 1980, I think. Huh. So um, yeah, it was, it was like a Michael Palin project, and he had Terry Jones, and the two of them did this. And so this got shown on KQED, like our local like and like public tax at public TV. Um, this was shown with like Monty Python and Faulty Towers, and it was like oh, ripping yarns too. And so I think, I think my like my parents saw it and like really liked it. Like this is really weird, and like they somehow got a, a VHS copy of it. 
And so it was like, they had a couple episodes and I, we always had those. And so I saw those as a kid and like, this is funny, but at the time, like, I don't quite get it. And then I watched it later. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Um, so once you like, you get older and a more of appreciation for like the, like bo- bone dry humor in this show. So I, I, I giggle a lot in this, but like, it's, it is like, this is like, if you, if you, if you can watch Monty Python and like Flying Circus, like, this is like several levels above that in dryness. It, it is proper British humor. It is very, like, yeah. It's kind of funny, actually. The, the, one of the things I know that, um, that, um, John Cleese mm-hmm. criticized, uh, Monty Python was moving away from the dry humor when, uh, when they, they started getting more seasons in. Right. Uh, because he was very much in the, like, in the wheelhouse of the very uptight, very, you know, put together <laughs> British comedy, you know, uh, people are falling out the window, um, and they must be having a board meeting, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of super dry humor. Right. right. So this is like alongside that where, uh, where maybe he was, there's less of the stuff of just like, oh, people talking like this. Hello. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, uh, Monty Python always was this weird mix of like very high end humor and very lowbrow, like weird slapstick stuff. So this has its moments, but yes, it's very, very like measured. And a lot of it, a lot of the like humor is inherent to scenes or is in like wordplay or like playing off of certain types of characters. Like, especially if you know, like it's a, it's like a genre comedy kind of. So a lot of people watch this, unless you're already like a British humor fan. If you watch this, you're like, I don't get this. This is very weird. So Martin. <laughs> yes. What are your feelings? Uh, you know, the still dryness better than Razak's Roughnecks. Is, Whoa, is, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! Wow, this is what I get. This is you. Like you're all my enemies now. <laughs> Listen, I haven't even brought up Sonic. I'm not your enemy yet. We're all gonna hate Josh. Oh, soon. I know it's coming. <laughs> I'm gonna hate myself, but it has to be done. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> and, but yes, go ahead. But in all honesty, it yes. was, it was. Just dry, <laughs> dry as the most well done piece of strip steak oh, I could have possibly imagined. It's, it's brute. It is dry. It is, but at the same time, it had some funny, you know, situations. And I, for me, it was a bit of a struggle to get through just some of the terrible, terrible tropes <laughs> that were present in this, and also just all of the the dimensions of oh, colonialism and that kind of like prim proper high well, crust. It is taking the piss out of that kind of thing. It is taking the piss out of it to a degree, but at what? the same time, it's just like it's there's only so much in it. Yeah. It's so yes. seeped in it that you, after a certain point, you're like, can we just can we have a change of pace? The difference. Can we deal with a different status where everything is not so much a game to be able to portray the highest level well, of? It's it's know. it's funny. There's another episode. There's an episode called Golden Gordon, and it's mm. it, and that's a like that's about working class, uh, a working class town, and like their their like failing soccer team or football team, as I should say. Um, and that one. So that that was there's like a working class episode about that, and there is an episode of, in which uh, Michael Palin's character. Is his family are like a military family in the British Raj, and so like that one is like that one is like wall to wall like it's like a, a, a an insane version of Downton Abbey, and like uh, that that is some good ones. And that like the his father in that one is like a is like a well known British actor who does a good job. Like he's this old, like old senile British guy from the 19th century who's convinced that all of his servants are still slaves, and like his wife has to keep like politely correcting him, but. uh so they, they 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 do different kind of things. I I think I just picked like 
th- a couple episodes that had a lot of that, like a lot of that in them. Yeah, and it just it just got a little. I, I tuned it out eventually. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another episode called uh, "The Escape from Stalag Luft 112B," which is like a World War One British parody of the future or uh, the Great Escape, and it's like the British are so proper that like the guys in this like the British officers in this prison camp are so proper and t- attention to procedure and detail that like oh no we're not trying to escape we need like a 10 point plan and they have like committees and all this other stuff and it's like one the a michael palin's character tries to escape and like one of the british officers helps the germans recapture him like no you can't just escape like there's a proper way of doing it and this whole thing and he eventually like he's he tries all these harebrained schemes to escape and then one day wakes up and all the british officers have escaped and he's the only guy left and so it's like like a hundred German guards all have to guard him alone, <laughs> and they eventually get so they get so annoyed and depressed they all leave, and then so he's like he's finally completely alone in this camp and he's like he was finally free and he goes like immediately like shuts the gates and he's like free and he's like he finally has all the free time to complete all of the schemes he came up with and he like dies <laughs> he dies in the prison camp he's like the only man not to escape from Stalag Luft 112B. <laughs> Oh Jeez, God. that's a yeah. There's other, other episodes like and uh, okay. yeah. Well, I will and yes those other episodes and give it a chance. If it, I would, I, I would say if you had to watch an episode of this, I would say watch Curse of the Claw. Curse of the Claw is pretty good. Yeah, uh, watch that and it's like okay. If, if you're like I like this, keep going. If not, well, yeah, whatever. I'd say that's that's a good like that episode is is has enough like weird and body stuff in it. Uh, yeah, there's enough yeah. going on in that one that it holds up by the story alone a little bit better. Yes, right. Like the other, like the twist in uh, in last case is just like <laughs> 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 it's it's he's bamboozled. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like I was just sitting there, like, wait, all right, wait. The how did? Oh God, okay. And there's, then yes, the the most boring man in the world is the most boring episode in the world. That episode is yeah. great. It, that I, it, episode is so boring. Uh, Oh God! Never. I mean, again. It, but it's one of those that if you watch it the first time, you're like, "Yes, he's the most boring man in the world." And then you watch it again and can enjoy just how bizarre it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, some of it is, also, is like everyone in the everyone in the episode is insane, also. Yes. But they're insane in the most dry British way possible. All right, Sabrina, your verdict. I mean, it, I guess it just depends on the episode. Because, like I said, I didn't like the one with Uthwait. I thought Uthwait. that one was lame. I did like the one with the claw because it, I don't know, it reminded me a little bit of Edgar Allan Poe. It's yeah, it's it's like a it's like a gothic horror story. Yeah, and then yeah, the last one was just like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening at the end? That was weird. Um, yes, he he was helping them all along, even though he didn't know he was helping them all along. That's yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. The um yeah, that's a brilliantly that's, executed plan. That's a, that's a great episode. So good. All right. Anybody else want to say anything about it's, ripping yards? A lot of people. <laughs> I I think I mentioned there are there are, um if you've seen if you've watched like British movies and TV from the eighties. Or stuff that was made in England at that time, you will see a lot of people. Like I was saying, the the guy who plays Admiral Piet in Star Wars, um, a, like multiple other guys who played Imperial officers in Star Wars, are in Ripping Yarns at some point. Oh, so everybody in Ripping Yarns is evil. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's because like, a, a oh lot no, 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 no. They're they're good-hearted, gentle British men that are just put into an impossible situation where evil just arises because that is the nature of the system. Well, and if if you've seen uh, Brazil. 
uh, all same made in the same kind of general time period also uses like the same people. Do you remember the in uh, in Winfrey's last case the guy who they like when she's introducing the wait staff? There's the guy who's the osteopath slash like ostler, mm-hmm. like the big sideburns. He's in Brazil, and then the woman who's behind the counter like doing her her whole thing like she's also like a bit character in Brazil. And I read that last night. I was like, oh, it's her. That's cool. And uh, the mother in testing of Eric Oldthwaite, like the next door neighbor. The, like the old mother is like, oh, like have your affair. She's uh one of Charlie Bucket's grandparents in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, okay. Oh. I remember watching that. And I'm like, oh, it's Mrs. Bag. <laughs> are we going to be doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, I yeah. don't know. Are you going to elect Charlie I, and the I Chocolate Factory? I do because it's a great I, movie. It's a great movie, and I actually read through the series, the book series too, and mm. I was hugely into it. So, so. the expanded universe. <laughs> the A, yeah. Yes, the EU. The EU. Uh, oh. Which, uh, Brexit is a thing. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of England. Uh, speaking of England, if you are English and listen to this, like, uh, last election, good job, keep going. Yeah. Keep, keep not electing the fucking Tories. Also, if you're in live in Northern Ireland, uh, kill your politicians. Anyway. Whoa. Oh. Man, are we here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking a, yeah. You're taking a few stands here, sir. Yeah. Considering what it's like in Northern Ireland, uh, you probably yeah. shouldn't be saying that. Nah, I'm cool with that one. <laughs> I'm glad that now, ta- our, our world tour is going to be real weird. Yeah, our, yeah. we're going to have to can- cancel our Belfast appearance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm just glad that 10 crusty orange Protestants get to, like, keep Theresa May in power. Awesome. I know nothing. Uh, yeah, it's not as bad as it could have been, but it yeah. could be better. I'm well, still reeling from Trump as president. All right, yeah. <laughs> let's just see. let's go drinking after but, this. Yes. But as a, yeah, so that, like if you've seen, uh, I, I did. I think it's funny. I remember a friend of mine who's a big Star Wars like expanding universe fan explained it that like they actually apparently make an excuse in the expanding universe as to why all the Imperial officers are British, and it's like they're all from one the the, the, the like. Imperial Navy is like disproportionately recruits from like Coruscant or something. Yes, from the core worlds. Yeah, and and so they and then like in the Star Wars universe, that's where the British accent comes from. So that's like the in-universe excuse. But it's really because Star Wars was filmed a lot at Pinewood Studios in London, and so they're just like, we need we need like bit characters. Like let's just get these British guys, get them all in there. But there's also kind of like this thing that you notice where in a lot of American films. English, like the evil person, always has a fucking English accent. It's well because we we not always, but well, almost yeah, but always we think of the English accent as being like someone like someone who's like serious and like intelligent, right? And so that that but works foreign and for and yeah and mysterious, but like. also but also with a bit of like a like conniving because there's always a plan. To- always, yeah, yeah, and so that's why I think they that uh, I think that American image is why they make so, why we use them for bad guys so much. Mm-hmm. And that's also mm-hmm. the reason why you hear the standard British accent versus like an Essex accent or something like in that. In it. Yeah. Like, like an East End London or in, or in this case in Ripping Yarns the like the like high-pitched like parody of a Yorkshire accent. Oh, I, even the white bits were black. <laughs> All right. Uh so Ripping Yarns. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so how about them gargoyles? Gar- 
ripping yarns is fine. It's a fine. You, yes, yeah, it's, go it watch is, that. Go is, watch the claw episode. It's, it is yeah. an acquired taste. I fully admit that. Like this is not for everyone. Yes. Just make sure to bring your uh, bourbon, brandy, and uh, you oh, know, I scotch. could I could agree with a smoking jacket, a nice, exactly. a nice, uh, a nice scotch. Sit down, watch some ripping yarns. There you like, go. Maybe just, <laughs> maybe just light a cigar that you picked up from Cuba the last trip to Havana. I'd forgotten also that, like, I, I, in uh, in the Winfrey's last case, the intro with the guy in the cape, like, he, that, I, the reason that's there is the Winfrey's last case was the first episode of the second season. Oh. And the first episode of the first season is that same guy, and it's supposed to be, like, he's this, he's supposed to be, like, a stately British actor introducing the plot, like, the, the introducing the show, and it's, right. like, something goes silly. Yes, so. that, that beginning point part made no sense. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? So, yeah. It's anyway. fun. Okay. Uh, that has been Ripping Yarns, as uh, Martin has said. Gargoyles. Is Gargoyles. You're going to go for a real softball here. This uh, show is awesome. Indeed. Right. I, I, I want to say, like, I, we'll discuss it more, but we're like, this is the Star Wars versus Star Trek discussion of Ripping Yarns being full of Star Wars actors and that show being chock full of Star Trek people. So, Gargoyles the next if generation. You like, if you like Gargoyles and you like Star Trek... You should watch Gargoyles. Yeah, you should. And Star Trek. If you like Gargoyles, you should watch Star Trek, because Star Trek. And if you like Star Trek, you should watch Gargoyles. Whoa. And if you like Gargoyles and Star Trek, you should play StarCraft. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> this hole's going to get bad. Um, <laughs> Just all right. tearing it open. <laughs> so uh, I want to go ahead, first off, thanks to the whole panel for coming in today and talking yeah. about ripping yearns. <laughs> Bye. Uh, and, uh, thank you to all the fans that listen in. We love all of you for, uh, for spending your time every Saturday or whatever day you've downloaded this to, uh, and to listen to if, us goobers talk. If yeah. you are listening to these in order, I uh, don't worry. This is, this is the most British thing I have ever encountered and thus will ever subject you to. <laughs> so it literally cannot get any more British than this. So I'm not even going to try. No, because the opposite nope. spectrum is apparently vanilla ice. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, Hello! Oh, Hello, Governor! This is Hello, Puppet! Oh, we need to get out of here. Um, <laughs> first off, thanks to all you people who listen in. Thank you all. Uh, we do have the Patreon over at patreon.com slash satfriendsclub where you can get pre-show discussion with us talking about some really bad topics today. Oh, oh, oh man. boy. Um, we've, we've, we've like really, I <laughs> get some real low if you, notes. If you want some of my tips, <laughs> listen to the pre-show discussion. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, and it involves breathing exercises <laughs> properly, creatively. <laughs> um, and you let's want to see. complicate your life way more. So that is over at Set Friends Club. All right, <laughs> yeah. uh, you can do that uh, over there at patreoncom club uh, We do have Twitter at Set Friends Club. Also, I link to all of our Twitters. I need to link Martin's a bit more uh, of just our general. Twitter discussions and things like that. Tweeting it up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so thank you all. We will be back next week with talking about people with very deep voices. <laughs> Keith David. Keith David. <laughs> so, is this like her evil clown voice? Uh, yes. Because she's also like doing a pose and then like rotating. Do I need to clown compare her? Oh god! A quick upload her photo to clown compare. Be like the queen laughing properly. Except the queen is a clown. All right, that's gonna be it for this week. We will catch you next week with gargoyles. Till then, sleep well, everyone. Cheerio. Good night and good luck. Do not tip your waiter. They don't tip in Britain. It's true.